0: Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min Football. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing the news that has emerged this afternoon. Arsenal have rejected an offer from Turkish giants Galatasaray for Mohamed Elneny, as is being reported by Chris Wheatley. We're going to be discussing that report. We're going to go be going through it. We're going to be picking out the key bits. And then I'll be sharing my views on Mohamed Elneny, whether or not we should keep him or whether we should be looking to cash in on him ahead of that transfer deadline, which is September the 8th, so tomorrow uh, at the time of recording over in Turkey. So lots and lots to get into, as always, when it comes to the mighty Arsenal. Don't forget, get your questions, get your thoughts in the live chat box, and at the end of the show, we'll do our usual little Q&A section. Uh, let's say a few hellos before we dive right into it, and I want to say especially big hello uh, to Scott Metcalf, who has popped over uh, after seeing me on uh, Tom's The Guna Talk channel. He says, look forward to your content. Scott, welcome to the channel, mate. I uh, hope you're subscribed. Make sure you are if you haven't already. And uh, fingers crossed you'll enjoy all the content coming your way. Uh, big hello to Syed, big hello to Sy, uh to Shabihi, uh, to Phil over in Australia. How are you doing, fellow Greek Phil? How are you, mate? Uh, big hello to Orlando uh, Aguilar as well. And of course, to Omar and everybody else in the live chat or everybody who will be watching this back or listening to this back a little bit later on. So that is the news. Arsenal have rejected an offer for Mohamed Neni from Galatasaray. Now, we're going to be going through that story as reported by Chris Wheatley. So uh, we knew that there was interest from Turkey in Mohamed Neni, We knew that there was interest in Cedric Suarez and we knew that there was interest in Said Kalasinac, But it seems that Mohamed Neni is the only one that somebody has actually made a concrete offer for. Here is what Chris Wheatley over at football.london, who reported the story, has had to say on it. Let me just blow it up a little bit uh, for those of you watching on the video so that you can see exactly what it is we're talking about. So he leads with the line. Arsenal have rejected an offer from Galatasaray for Mohamed Elneny. Football.london understands. Elneny made 41 appearances for the Gunners last season and won Arsenal's goal of the season award for a strike against Dundalk in the Europa League group stages. Uh, the 29-year-old was substituted after 33 minutes during Arsenal's behind closed doors friendly at Brentford or against Brentford on Thursday, although Football.London understands the midfielder was taken off as a precaution, not because he was being sold. Now, Ghana's boss, Mikel Arteta, has used Mohamed El Nini quite a bit, and London understand that two Turkish clubs, two uh, not sure who the other one is. I, we can suspect it's Fenerbahce. We've heard it was Galatasaray, uh, sorry, Besiktas uh, as well in the past. So I'm not really sure which one it was. Football. London don't specify uh, which other club it is, but it's said that the inquiry was rejected by Arsenal. However, it's understood the club would be open to letting him leave for the right price. So that's the story. Arsenal have rejected an offer from uh, Galatasaray for Mohamed Elneny, and I guess reading between the lines, you can get that the offer was not enough. Okay, that's what we're kind of reading and understanding from this. As I say, football football.london don't specify what that offer was exactly, but it does say that they believe Arsenal are open to selling Mohamed Elneny for the right price. Now, I've shared my views. On Mohamed Elneny many, many times over the last year or so. Do I think he's good enough for Arsenal's midfield? No. But do I recognise that he's a bit of a steady Eddie and he brings you certain things that other players in the squad maybe don't, that his work ethic is very good, that his attitude is very good? Yeah, you know, I recognise all of those things when it comes to Mohamed Elneny. My issue here is we would be leaving ourselves in an even weaker position in the midfield if we were to allow Mohamed Oneni to join Galatasaray now. Remember, the transfer window is closed for us. We cannot bring in another addition. I spoke on the podcast that we did recorded earlier today about how I felt that the midfield was the area we really missed the trick in, that we should have done more in this summer, and we didn't do it. We didn't do it. And now it feels like we're in a place where we can't afford to allow Mohamed Elneny to go because it just doesn't make sense. We're only a couple of injuries away from a real disaster in that area of the park. And while Mohamed Elneny is not the ideal solution, is not the most progressive midfielder, is not the most all-round midfielder, is not the guy that you want to see lining up for Arsenal every single week, he is, as I said, a bit of a steady Eddie and someone that you can call upon in the absence of others, someone who can do you a decent job in the cut fixtures. And I just fear that if we allow him to leave, we'll be leaving ourselves incredibly short. Now, when you think about Arsenal's central midfield options, you think about Granit Xhaka, you think about Thomas Partey, you think about Sambi Lakonga, Mohamed Elneny's there too. I wonder if the U-turn that the club have seemingly made with regards to Aitensley, Maitland, Niles... Is got something to do with this or has something to do with this. Now, remember, Ainsley Maitland-Niles has been banging on and on about it for years. He wants to play in the centre of midfield. Have Arsenal come to a, a decision that actually, let's give Ainsley Maitland-Niles that opportunity and therefore actually allowing Mohamed Elneny to move on is not the worst thing in the world. I don't know. I don't know, you know, under normal circumstances, ordinarily, I'd say, yeah, you know, move Mohamed Onneny on. If you can get a decent amount of money for him, you know, anything around the even the £5 million mark would be good business. Because remember, Mohamed Onneny's Arsenal contract expires at the end of this season. He will walk away on a free transfer, but you can only afford to let him walk away uh, now and you can only afford to move him on now if you've got sufficient cover. And I'm not really sure that Arsenal have that that's my worry that's my concern especially when you take into account the fitness issues that Thomas Partey has had throughout his Arsenal career to date i wonder if it would be wise to now move on another midfielder i'm not sure i'm really not sure my initial feeling as i say is is um is no don't do it you know the money's got to be good the money's got to be something that the club feel is is too good to turn down for Mohamed Oneni that doesn't even have to be all that much. But we're in a place, for me, where unless Ainsley Maitland-Niles is being earmarked as another central midfielder, is being earmarked as that player who's going to step up in the kind of midfield pecking order, then we can't do this. If he is going to be that player, and, and that is the plan, and that is the idea, and that is what he and Mikel Arteta and Edu have kind of agreed upon following their discussions after his very, very public kind of come and get me plea or or exit cry, whatever you want to call it, then, you know, maybe it makes a little bit more sense. But this all stems back from the fact that we had a very underwhelming transfer window as far as the centre of midfield goes. You know, we looked at that area. I said it was the most important area that Arsenal needed to address going into the summer. We didn't do that. You know, we kept hold of Granit Xhaka. Okay, fine. Whatever your thoughts on that, he's here, he's staying. But we always had a problem beyond Xhaka and Partey, didn't we? We brought La in, a player who, again, I'm very reluctant to put a lot of pressure on. Although I think he's got the talent and although I think he'll go on to really, really good things, is it wise to play him every week? I put him in my best starting 11 earlier, so maybe I'm being a bit of a hypocrite. But it does feel like, Mohamed Neni is just that safety net. He's just that player that will just do, you know, how does that old saying go? It does exactly what it says on the tin. That's what Mohamed Neni is. You know, he he does exactly what it says on the tin. He, he'll run around, he'll work hard, he'll defend, he'll put in a shift for you without ever being spectacular, without ever really bringing that additional quality. But letting him go now feels like a massive gamble because of our inability to To go out and bring someone else in. Unless, of course, as I've said, Ainsley Maitland-Niles is seen as that replacement, is seen as the man who's going to step into that role. Who knows? Only time will tell. But, you know, what a Galatasaray offering? Well, we don't really know. And I think given the fact that the contract uh, is due to expire at the end of the season, You can understand why Arsenal are entertaining it. I'm just not sure it's the smartest thing to do. And again, like many things, we'll only really know further down the line if it was the right move or not. But yeah, that's where I am on it. The Egyptian Pirlo could be on his way out of the Emirates Stadium between now and the uh, closure of the Turkish transfer window. Although no deal at the time of recording has been agreed. That has to be stressed because although Galatasaray have made an offer as reported by Football.London, that offer has been rebuffed by the Gunners. So there we are. That's the latest on Mohamed Elneny's future. What is you guys' opinion on Mohamed Elneny? Let me know in the chat. We'll be taking a load of your comments And then, of course, we will uh, take some of your questions towards the back end of the podcast as well. While you're getting your thoughts in the chat box, I just want to quickly remind you that this podcast is brought to you by the brilliant people over at Manscaped.com. So for all your male grooming needs, head over to their fantastic website. Check out the Law Mower 2.0 You will not be disappointed. Is it the 2.0? There's a 4.0. There's all different ones. Check out the latest lawnmower, basically. I've been talking about it so long, I've confused myself because I was having a discussion earlier on with a mate of mine about which one is the best. Yep, I know. I'm sad. But check it out, manscaped.com. I promise you, once you get hold of one of those things, it will be the apple of your eye. It might be one of your most prized possessions. Uh, But check it out, manscaped.com, and enter our discount code, which is 90MIN20. And you shall receive twenty percent off of your order, as well as free worldwide shipping. So you stand to save yourself a fair bit of money. Become one of two million men worldwide currently manscaping, and I promise you, your partner will thank us. Right, let's go over to the live chat and see what you guys are saying with regards uh, to the uh, to the news about Mohamed Elneny, the news that have had an offer rejected for the Egyptian PLO, North Korean gunner says, I'll take one to three million pounds for him. Granted, he may be a professional, but I'm sure we can utilize Ainsley Maitland-Niles and or Emil Smith-Rowe or a youngster from the academy. I would have said that Miguel Aziz is someone that you could potentially push for, but of course, he's out on loan. I think that's the best thing for him. But with him not being at the club, I think that the only real like for like or player that at least claims he can play in a like-for-like role is Ainsley made nels I don't really see Smith-Rowe and I don't really see Odegaard doing that deeper role. We tried it at Man City. It didn't really work. I know that was with a back three and all of that, but I, I still think that we've got a divide in our midfield. We've got our deeper-lying defensive midfielders, if you want to call them that, which consist of Xhaka, Partey, Lokonga, Elneny, and then you've got Smith-Rowe and Odegaard, who are obviously uh, a very different type of player. Carrie Tanninen, he says sell Xhaka instead. Well, that's not going to happen, my friend, because he's just signed uh, a new contract. BX Gunner81 says El isn't better than Ainsley Maitland Niles. Move him on. Uh, said Abdullah says, I always said we needed to buy a new central midfielder, but other fans were more interested in the right back position. I said that too. I said that the centre of midfield was a bigger priority for me as well throughout the window. Sky Slater says, all of this is Arsenal's fault. We should have signed another midfielder. Now we're stuck with this guy. We now lose him for free next season. Patrick Carlson says, keep him. We don't have any replacement. Uh, let's see what else we've got with regards to Mohamed Elneny. Um Oscar says, just get the lad out. And look, there is kind of this this attitude now among Arsenal fans, and, and rightly so, I understand it in a lot of ways, where we're kind of just looking to move these players on, players that we don't see as being part of Arsenal's future moving forward. Mohamed Elneny is certainly one of them, but the only thing I would say is sometimes in doing that, sometimes in rushing those exits, I mean, if you think about it, if we got, let's say for argument's sake, three, four million pounds for Mohamed Neni now, is that three, four million pounds worth taking the risk that we get caught short in midfield? Because if you think back to last season, we moved, prime example, Serge Kolasinac, out of the club, okay? He wasn't part of the plans. He wasn't part of the future. And Arsenal did everything they could to move him out in January and they sent him out to Schalke on loan. What happened in the most crucial part of our season? When we took on Villarreal in the Europa League, we had no left back. We simply had no left back and we were forced to not just put Granit Xhaka in that left back, a player who was completely out of his depth in that position and looked like a duck out of water. We then put, or a fish out of water, did ducks get out of water much? Do they look bad out of water? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like a fish out of water is probably the better term. Not only did we put a player who looked really comfo- uncomfortable in that position, we also ended up significantly weakening our midfield by messing around with that. And ultimately, to try and backfill that position, we ended up mucking up two. And we ended up being weak in two areas of the pitch as a consequence of us being so desperate and so keen to move someone on who, OK, wasn't part of the longer term plans. Now, though, we're in a place where we might have that situation again. You know, do you, do you let him go and then pick up a couple of injuries and then struggle? Or do you say actually £3 million or whatever it is? And I'm just speculating here. I don't know what the figure is that Galatasaray is said to be offering, but it can't be much more than that. I do think to myself, is it worth just saying, forget that money, write it off, and we'd rather be better protected? Because Mohamed Onneny, as I keep saying, will do you a job to a decent standard. He will do you a job. No thrills, no spills. You know, he'll do you a decent job, as I keep saying. Matt says, Elneny is that player you bring on when you're 3-0 up on the 70th minute to defend for the final 20 minutes. Matt, I wish we would we were a team that was capable right now of being 3-0 up, but I get what you mean. Um, you know, I'm, I'm guessing based on the early evidence this season that we won't need a player that comes on when you're 3-0 up all that often. But yeah, I get what you mean. <laughs> uh, Patrick Carlson says, they probably aren't offering anything. It's probably a loan deal, etc. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at that as well. Uh, Some of you talking about moving Charlie Patino up. Don't know how ready he is. I've got to be honest, because while I've read great things about him and seen some fantastic highlights, I don't watch all that much of the under 23s to be able to kind of give you any insight on that. Uh, let's take this one from Scott. He says, keep on any good backup. We would only get a small amount for him. He's worth keeping, even if it's just for a season, until we get some depth in that area. Keep up the good work, Harry. Thank you very much, mate. Um, Map says you get what you pay for in any. Yeah, and look, the thing with any. He's a player who's been at the club for what seems like an eternity. Yeah, okay, he's been out on loan, et cetera, et cetera. But we signed this guy a long time ago. We signed him for £7 million, and I would argue that we've got our use out of him, okay? It wasn't a huge transfer fee that, you know, we laid out, and therefore you're kind of a little bit more open to allowing him to walk away on a free transfer as a result of that and off the back of that. So I'm not upset. um, And I won't be disappointed if Elneny leaves on a free if it means that we have a little bit more depth and a little bit more cover in a position that we should have dealt with in the summer. That's the big black mark on the transfer window for me is that we didn't bring in an experienced, ready-made midfielder to complement or enhance our existing midfield options. You know, we we, we brought someone in in Conga who I keep praising, and, and I really do mean that when I praise Lekonga, I do think he'll go on to really really good things. But he's not there yet. Um, and even with Conga in the mix, we're still a little bit short on numbers, and that's my uh, that's my issue. So, uh, yeah, let's see uh, what else we've got. Uh, Jabulani says, uh, let him go. Maitland-Niles and Chambers can play back up to the backup. We will always have a reason not to move a player on. Yeah, look, it's it's just one of those things, mate. I, I keep saying it. I don't want to sound like, I don't want to keep repeating myself throughout the podcast. But if we had invested a lot of money in Mohamed Alneny and this opportunity to recuperate at least a fraction of that presented itself, I'd be all open to it. But I just I'm, I'm fearful. I'm fearful of what might happen later on in the season if Arsenal lose a couple of players um, to injury or through suspension or, you know, for whatever other reason, you know, African nations coming up as well. So that's my worry. That's my worry right uh let's take some of your questions now from the live chat they can be El Neni related or not (laughs) whatever you want uh drop them in the chat box and we'll pick up as many of those as we can uh over the next sort of 10-15 minutes of the show uh please if you haven't done so already hit the like button on the video it really really does help um it, it makes such a big difference so please uh do that if you haven't done so already hit the like button subscribe to the channel if you are new and if you're wanting to support me to bring you more arsenal related content then please do hit the join button sign up and become a member or if you're not watching on youtube you can do so by clicking on the link in the description that really really does help well right, let's take some of your questions then um whatever they're about we'll take him no problem uh while had uh, going down the charlie patino route again um I, to to kind of reiterate the point i made earlier i don't really know all that much about charlie patino I, I i think he's a really talented young boy based on what i've seen what i've read what i've heard but we are in a place where and, and you know we are in a place sorry where we're looking to to blood through these youngsters and build this team for the future and i get all of that but Would you trust Charlie Patino to walk into the team in a Premier League game, for example? And when you look at the lack of depth that we have, there is a real possibility that whoever we're talking about, whether that be Mohamed Orneny or whoever we say is sort of taking his place in the pecking order, will play a lot of minutes this season. So I just wonder if, I think when you're building a new team and when you're building up with youth and you're trying to develop these players, there is a really fine balance to find between giving them the minutes that are going to take them up to the next level, but also not piling too much on them too early so that you kill confidence and kill reputation really quickly. And I worry that Arsenal could end up doing that if they're not careful. So, um, Yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, Oscar Leiborne says, if you had to prioritise a striker or a central midfielder in January, which are you choosing? Well, I'm going with a centre midfielder because for me, that was a priority in the summer and one that we haven't addressed, one that has spilled over. It's a bit of business or or, or a task, I guess, that's spilled over now moving forward because for all the reasons I've mentioned already, I think we we should have gone and got a ready-made, accomplished centre midfielder to help out in there. I think it was so important that we did that. We didn't. We might have done had Granite Xhaka not stayed at the club, granted, but I think we needed to do it anyway. I think we needed to do it regardless, and we didn't. I think when you look at our striking options, I don't really feel... um, I don't really feel that that is our weakest area. I still think you're going to get 15 to 20 goals each out of Aubameyang and Lacazette if you utilise them properly. Nicolas Pepe will chip in and ultimately we need more goals from the players around them as well. The Sackers, the Smith-Rose, the Odegaards, that's how Arsenal are going to score more goals. It's not about necessarily just increasing the output from the strikers. If you can do that, great, but I don't think their output has been the problem, if that makes sense. I think the lack of output from everybody else has been our biggest problem when it comes to goal scoring. Uh, Jids uh, says, you say Lukonga is not there yet, but in your Arsenal 11, you put him ahead of Xhaka. As for Elneny, he's a good squad player. Look at United. They had the likes of Fletcher and Carrick. Yeah, I I did put laconga in my team because I took into account the way that I've seen Arsenal set up this season, the way the central midfielders have been asked to press that little bit further forward. But that's not to say I don't expect inconsistencies from Sambi Lokonga. You know, Granit Xhaka will have inconsistent moments too, you know, as as we've seen many times over the years. I just feel that given the way we've approached games, given the ask that of Mikel Arteta lately to get people squeezing up, pushing up, pressing that little bit higher and a little bit more aggressively, I feel like Lukonga's a better fit and I stick by that. Patrick says, is Arteta still the manager on Monday? I think he is. Um, I I think Arsenal beat Norwich on Saturday. I really, really do. Looking forward to getting back to the Emirates for that one and hopefully being part of a really positive atmosphere that will cheer the team on and and hopefully get them over the line. I I think we really need not just a win, but a convincing win to kind of really make a bit of a, I'm not going to say a statement because it ain't really a statement beating Norwich at home, but you know what I mean, to kind of make the point of the fact that, yes, we are united. Yes, this team is better than what we've seen uh, so far this season. And I think we need some of those players coming in to have really convincing performances so that we can all at least feel a little bit more confident moving forward for the remainder of the season. Uh, let's see Uh side chips in on the Charlie Patino debate. He says, I watched Charlie Patino. He's a great talent, but very raw. It would be too early to fit him in the first team squad. Don't disagree with that whatsoever. My friend, uh, Matt says, can you imagine this team in the super league? I shudder at the thought, man, can you imagine we'd have been getting battered eights and nines and tens and God knows what else week in, week out. It would have been horrible. And the thing is, there wouldn't have been any respite because we wouldn't have even been able to get relegated from it so yeah great point great point <laughs> um what else have we got in terms of your questions and i'm just picking stuff at random so i do apologize if i miss things i'm sorry uh but i will try and cover as many bases as i possibly can uh what else have we got the little um Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, Jid says, if United could play Fletcher or Carrick in winning titles, why do we need a marquee name for that position? Who could Arsenal get who the fan base won't call good enough when it's time to scapegoat? Look, one of the things that Arsene Wenger was extremely good at doing in even the second half of his Arsenal tenure, where people criticised him and people said it wasn't good enough, was recognising that Even if he had a few average players in his team, having one, two, even sometimes three world-class players in his team was enough to make the difference and enough to get them over the line. And that's exactly what Sir Alex Ferguson used to do. Somebody like Fletcher could be in the team. Somebody like Park could be in the team. Not necessarily world-class players, but players who could do a job, a decent enough job, would give you all the basics but would also create a platform with their more kind of conservative nature for the world-class players to go on and impact games and make the difference in games. And if you think about Arsene Wenger's times, sometimes we had a really poor team and we had Alexis Sanchez and Mesut Ozil, two world-class players, causing people problems. Other times we had underwhelming midfields. And then we had Cesc Fabregas in and amongst all that, who elevated the whole level of the team. Sometimes we had Samir Nasri elevating the level of the team, Robin Van Persie, whoever that might have been. We always had players in the team that were capable of being difference makers. And this team that Arsenal are building right now has got less of those. And therefore, it's important that the collective strength is there. And I just feel like with a lot of these players that we're talking about, they're not at that level, and they also don't have the the collect. Uh, sorry, they also don't have the world class talent around them to elevate their level even further, and that's a big, big problem. It's why we're trying to build a team, and it's why we're kind of heavily reliant now, aren't we, on um, on kind of hoping that somebody like Bukayo Saka and Emil Smith Rowe can live up to that level that we all want them to get at. And listen, I talked about them in the podcast earlier today, and I've had a lot of DMs from people slagging me off, basically saying like, well, how could you say that about them? And there's been a few YouTube comments saying that, obviously not abusively, but saying that I was unfair in my sort of thoughts on them. And and again, let me just reiterate that point. It's not that I don't think they will get there. It's not that I don't think they can't get there. It's It's that I worry that they're not there yet. They're not there today. And putting that pressure on them for some players it works some players thrive on pressure some players will take it in their stride and they'll elevate and elevate and elevate their level continuously off the back of that but others buckle under pressure and others need to be kind of eased into things a little bit better some of them develop later on in their careers to that world-class level you know there's players who you thought oh yeah they're a talent up until like 25 26 and then bang they become superstars. There's others who are 18 you thought were going to be world beaters and then never really hit that level. So it's very, very difficult to judge the outputs of a young player. And to pin all your hopes on that, I think, is risky. That was all my point was uh, on those guys. Uh, Matt says, Harry Tomiyasu is currently playing left centre-back for Japan. I've seen this. Um, I saw this just before I went live. Yeah, it is. Um, it is a It is a strange one, but obviously Japan's up in a different way, don't they? And, you know, that will be dependent on what they have at their disposal, what their manager has at his disposal. If he doesn't have another player capable of playing at left centre-back, then he puts Tomiyasu there. And actually, as I mentioned to you guys, or as uh, Lee Scott mentioned to you guys when we brought him on the show following the Tomiyasu uh, signing stuff coming out, he said that he has played in that position a lot for Bologna. That doesn't necessarily mean that's the position that Arsenal are looking to utilize him in, though. I think he will play as a right back for Arsenal. I think he will be expected to tuck in and become part of a back three when we're in possession. But I get what you're saying. It, it just doesn't. Um, for me, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the role he's going to play at Arsenal. That's all. Um, Saïd Abdullah with a very, very kind Super Chat donation. Mate, thank you so, so much, really. Really appreciate that, and really appreciate you being here. Uh, pretty much for every show, so uh, really, really do appreciate that, mate. And uh, thank you for your kind donation. It is very, very much appreciated. Steve says, "Tom, <laughs> I'm not Tom, but I'll answer it anyway. In your opinion, as you've been to the Emirates already this season, do you feel that the paying supporters are more or less positive than the online supporters? I think the mood is is generally quite mixed. I do, um, but I think, and this is not to say." that the match-going supporters are better or different because I feel like a lot of the people that are online and and being very critical, if they were in the stadium, they'd be the same in the sense of I think they'd be a lot more encouraging towards the players during a game. And that's all I ask for. I don't mind if people have a different opinion to me. I don't mind if people want to criticise the team after the final whistle. I still think there's a way of doing it. I still think there's a way of being a decent human being and talking to people or about people the way you wish to be spoken about or or spoken to without kind of crossing that line but you're you have every right to criticize whether you're an online fan or whether you're a, a match going fan i just for me what was encouraging going to the emirates during that chelsea game when we were clearly second best was seeing that people got behind the team and as long as that continues, I won't really have any complaints. That The online negativity is just the way of the world at the moment. And I've spent a lot of time over the last week or so um, getting kind of pissed off about it and letting it, I've got to be honest, I let a lot of it get to me because I do, you know, I share my opinions here and, and people criticize me and that's fine. Um, others enjoy my opinions, whatever your view is on it. Don't underestimate how difficult it is to, you know, people will say, oh, your job's easy because you sit in front of a camera um, and you just talk about the thing that you love. But actually, it's not easy to sit in front of a camera and share opinions, opinions that you know are going to draw you heat, opinions that you know are going to uh, draw criticism, are going to lead to you getting abused online. But equally, I'm not going to sit there and make up opinions or change my opinion, change or not say what I really think or believe because I feel as though there's a backlash coming. If that was the case, I'd never have defended Mikel Arteta. I'd never have defended Granit Xhaka. There have been a lot of things where I've kind of thought long and hard about it. And my opinion has gone against the wind, gone against the tide. And I've had to kind of not fight back at it, but, you know, sort of be firm in my views and I just think that when people do something online it's quite um, the the way of the world now makes it quite a difficult thing to do and as I said that the whole online abuse thing and and I'm not talking about someone saying oh you're talking rubbish or I don't get what you're saying when people start personally attacking you making comments about your kids and your wife and that's when it starts to get a little bit like hold on a minute i'm gonna get defensive here and i think that that's it's one of those things where as i say i spent a lot of time over the last few days reacting angrily to comments replying to people i should never have given the time of day um and getting frustrated on it and ultimately i've come to realize that it's just part of of culture now and it's bad and it's negative and i'll do whatever i can to stop it and to always kind of say my piece about it but it is one of those things Um, that is unfortunately is here to stay now. And rather than focusing on trying to change those people, because there are a lot of them and they're beyond changing, because quite frankly, they're morons. I'm going to spend more time focusing on making sure that I am capable of blocking it out. That is more important. Um, You know, that is more important to me. Right, uh, let's go back over uh, to the live chat. Let's see what you guys are saying. As these days, says, only the second time I've done that. Sorry, Fred. No, Harry. Look, if there's one other Arsenal YouTuber that you're going to get me confused with, at least it's, it's, it's Tom because he's at work is excellent. So uh, thank you, uh, fantastic stuff. Right, uh, let's move on uh, further down the chat. Marshall B, completely unrelated to football, but a nice question: Where would you vacation for a week if money were no object? Um. You know what? This is going to sound like a boring answer, but I'd always go to Cyprus. Home is where the heart is. Lovely weather, lovely food. You know, somewhere I'm very familiar with. I know it sounds like a boring answer because there's much more exciting places on the planet to go. Um, but I just love the feeling of being over there, knowing the language, enjoying the cuisine, etc., etc. Seeing friends and family as well. So, yeah, I'm going to keep it simple. Cyprus it is. Um, Let's see. Uh, great, great words from Adam on the whole uh, online abuse thing. Um, thank you for that, mate. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, let's see. Um, lots of nice comments coming my way. Thank you so much um, for those uh, with regards to the show and, and sort of blocking out all the crap online. Really, really do appreciate it, Honestly, I'm not going to read them all through. Um, but yeah, thank you. It is much appreciated. Right. Let's take uh, some more bits and pieces uh, from here. Paul James says, I'm a season ticket holder and I'm bewildered by the team selection and annoyed by Edu's lack of ambition supporters when they boo it's aimed at the management and the owners. I agree that a lot of it and a lot of the frustration is aimed at the management and the owners, but I, I can't see how as a, as a player, you'd be able to ignore that or, or be able to kind of differentiate between the noise coming from the terrace as as in, in who it's aimed for. Um, you know, if you hear cronky chants, it means it's at the cronkies. But unless you're specifically chanting Mikel Arteta out or Edu out or Vinay out or whatever it may be, the players will feel that booing as, as, as negative, you know, as a negative energy. Sometimes it needs to be, um, you know, it needs to be said. Sometimes it needs to be made clear that what we're seeing is is simply not good enough. But as I say, that should be done for me um, at the end of the game, not during it, not before it. And uh, that's my... um, that's my kind of issue with it. I, I, I don't see what what good it does. I think when things are really bad, like if we lost at home to Norwich on Saturday, and people decided to boo to make their feelings known, I'd have no issue with that. But when you get like beaten by Chelsea, who are just so much superior to you, and you have seven, eight, nine players or whatever it was out, then I don't think you should be booing in that instance. That's my that's my view. But listen, each to their own. It's some people put their opinions away and uh, put their opinions across, I should say, in that way. Others prefer to do it in different ways, and, and that's the way of the world. Uh, Chris Mossing says, Arsenal Lounge mentioning you, uh, Harry, about being a super cook. Look, Listen, they, uh, I promised the uh, Arsenal Lounge and Tom Canton that I'd get a barbecue on uh, and get them over because they keep commenting on my barbecue pictures on Twitter. Uh, and they gave me a little bit of stick the other day because I posted a barbecue picture, but I was at my dad's. I mean... I don't think he'd have been too happy if I started inviting all, all people that he doesn't he doesn't know who they are around for but and telling him that they're all round for the barbecue. Uh so yeah. Uh that's the story around that one. Right. Uh we are going to leave it there. Uh, Thank you all so much for your interaction as always. Thank you for your kind words in the chat. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure if you haven't done so already that you do hit that like button. Let's quickly check in where we are in terms of likes at present because it really, really does help. Uh, hold on a second, let's see where we are, over 207 uh, people watching live on YouTube at the moment, only 54 likes on the board though, if we can get that up to 100 that would be fantastic and I don't see why we can't, given uh, the amount of you watching. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're new and if you want to go one better by becoming a member of the channel and supporting me to bring you more Arsenal and football-related content. Then please do click on the join button below the video if you're a YouTuber. If you're listening via the audio, you can do it by clicking on the link in the description. Don't forget this podcast is sponsored by Manscaped.com. So for all your male- grooming needs, make sure you check them out. And we shall be back tomorrow with some more Arsenal-related content, unless any big news breaks, as I always say. But until tomorrow, take care of yourselves and uh, stay safe. All the best. Ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast.